Welcome to Let's Face the Facts, the rewatch podcast for the classic sitcom, The Facts of Life. Join us each week as we synopsize, analyze, criticize, and ultimately idolize the show. And now, here's your host of Let's Face the Facts, the wonderful David Almeida. Thank you, Matthew Arder. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Matthew and I welcome musical theater singer, Broadway dancer, Dan Lobuono Wall. He has been in many Broadway shows, national tours, including Hello, Dolly! with Carol Channing, Chicago, Thoroughly Modern Millie. He is uh, truly a professional in his field. And uh, we, of course, met him here working for a certain theme park uh, entity. And uh, we talk about that on the show. Quickly, before we get started, I do want to give a special shout-out to Mike H. He's one of uh, my devoted listeners, and he sent me a Christmas present. And I just wanted to say thank you, Mike, for the present. I really appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you right back. Okay, let's get going with this week's show. Matthew and Dan and I discuss Season 8, Episode 5, Off-Broadway Baby, which had an original air date of November 1st of 1986. I think we're ready to jump on in. Let's face the facts with Dan Lobuono Wall. Welcome to the show, Dan Lobuono Wall. Hi, David. Great to see you, buddy. You too. It's been a long time. And Matthew, good to see both of you. Hello, Daniel. Hello, Matthew. <laughs> you call him Daniel? Yes. I see. I have. I think yeah. I always have, haven't I? I think you, I think you always have too. Always mm-hmm. Daniel. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like Shelly Long on Cheers when Norm would walk in and she would be the only one to go, hello, Norman. Yes. <laughs> hello, Daniel. I like it. So our paths, as in the three of us, uh, all crossed at the American Idol Experience at Disney's Hollywood Studios uh, a decade ago, gentlemen. Decade ago, it was. That was when I first encountered the both of you. Is that where you two first started working together, or did you know each other before that? No, we met at the American Idol Experience. Yeah, Matthew was Mm -hmm. casting, and I got hired to be a producer there. Mm -hmm. And I I didn't know that Matthew, and Matthew was a huge Hello, Dolly fan. Uh, was, Carol Channing, and uh, we had lots to talk about. It was love at first sight. <laughs> it was. I to say. Mm-hmm. That's right, because you have a, a tiny little bit of a connection to Carol Channing and Hello, Dolly, which we're going to be talking about in a little bit. Okay. Okay. But uh, first, we have the more important matter of discussing this episode of The Facts of Life. Season okay. eight, episode five, called Off-Broadway Baby, which had an original air date November 1st of 1986. Wow. Uh, so, uh, Dan, did you watch the show growing up? Do you have any history with the, the series at all? Honestly, I knew of the series, of course. I don't ever really recall watching like an entire episode. That's why when you asked me to do this, I was like, oh, my God, I really don't know the show. If you would have asked me Golden Girls or the Brady Bunch or the Partridge Family, I would have been like, oh, I'm all in. So watching this episode was remarkable. Just two. Uh, no, that's the first time anyone's Just ever used that word. Remarkable. It was so interesting. And I watched it about four times. And <gasps> no. 
I did. I, oh, I I'm so sorry. For, not that I had to sit through it, but I was like, I really need to dive into this episode because it's just remarkable. <laughs> I watched it once and I typically watch them really? twice because when I make my notes to go through it, it's always a stop, start, stop, start. So I do yeah, try yeah, to yeah, do yeah. A, a watch through without okay. stopping to force myself to digest it in real time. And uh, I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. I just couldn't. Yeah, it's, there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. It is. Well, we're thrilled to have you here as uh, a person with a dancing on the Broadway <laughs> and therefore having been to many an audition yourself, oh, yeah. you can be here to verify the veracity of this experience. My pleasure. <laughs> and before we do that, though, let's talk about the nuts and bolts of the episode where it was written by Martha Williamson. This is her third of eight episodes writing for the series. She would go on to be the head writer and executive producer for Touched by an Angel. That ran for nine seasons, 94 mm. to 03. And isn't it interesting that she got a job writing for television shows and wrote this episode and had such a career having never been in a casting process? Uh, yeah. Apparently not. <laughs> Apparently not. not. Had never even witnessed an nope. audition in her life. So this is interesting to get her perspective. <laughs> yes. She's also a consulting producer hmm. on Young Sheldon. And on the Hallmark Channel, there is a series of uh, films called Signed, Sealed, and Delivered that started out as a series. And they realized uh, this would be better as a, a sequence of full-length movies so it started in 2013 and they still continue to this day there are 12 uh, 11 episodes of the tv show and then 12 tv movies that have followed and it looks like the franchise is still going strong i had never heard of it but that's okay i don't have to hear about everything uh and the episode was directed by john boab john is the in-house director i call him john because he's a very close personal stranger uh And uh, yeah, so before we begin the microscopic dissection, Dan, this mm-hmm. is the time in the show where we like to put our guest on the spot. Okay. And ask you to please provide <clears throat> simply a one to two sentence synopsis of oh, the God. entire show, similarly to the, the little listing you might see in a TV guide. Go. Uh, 2D gets invited to audition for a Broadway show the day before the audition from a director, Broadway director, Peter Garland, but goes completely unprepared. There it is. Beautiful. (laughs) Unprepared for whom she would meet, unprepared to actually audition. Audition, yes. Holy shit. Uh, uh, I mean, I think, I swear to God, a couple of veins in my forehead still are popped out a little bit over watching some of the things that happened in this episode. And also these actors that are in the facts of life probably have been through auditions like this before and their minds must have been blown. Like what the heck is going on here? Like we've been through these auditions and you know, but maybe just for TV, but they, they must've known something was up. And not a little bit different. And not only the actresses thinking that, Tootie's character is an actress. And it was like she had never been to an audition in her life. Uh-uh, and we uh-uh. know that's not true because we had to sit through David Daniel a couple earlier episodes, her audition for The Wiz. 
That I was not aware of. Wow. Okay. Where where she sang Ease on Down the Road like Shirley Temple and then was told she didn't get the job because Dorothy had to have grit. <laughs> and she was dressed as Dorothy, had her hair in Oh, she nails. wanted full costume makeup. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That, that happens When you go in costume and yeah, we don't get us that's started. A, that's, a, that's a no-brainer for the casting director. Like, oh my God, that's too hard. Yeah. Higher. Wow. Yep. <laughs> I will say before everybody shits all over this episode, <laughs> they did get one thing right in the audition. And I will hold off till the end to make oh. my announcement. Oh, God, I can't wait. Right. Okay. All right. Well, let's get started then with the microscopic dissection. We start first scene in the living room. Uh, Beverly Ann is at the piano accompanying Tootie, and Tootie is rehearsing her song for this upcoming audition. Daniel, were you surprised to see Cloris Leachman sitting there and not Mrs. Garrett? I was. I was a little confused. Mrs. Garrett was on a holiday, and they brought in Cloris Leachman. I don't know the backstory or why she was there. She's on a holiday for the last two seasons of the show. Oh, she so, was. Yeah. Okay. She, yeah. Okay. <laughs> she said, I'm out. Was she, was she, did she leave or was she fired? Yeah, she left the show and Cloris Leachman came in. And we're still, we're only like, this is like episode three with Cloris in it. So we, as an audience and they as a writing team and a, and a cast are still getting used to what her purpose is and who she is to them. Okay. But so, I, yeah. I'm a, fan of Cloris Leachman though I think she is an awesome actor so I, I you know I did love what she did in the show I mean she's yeah. can do no wrong in my book she's yeah. great we love her too great. and love it's, her. it's a little uh painful for us to see her and the writing struggling to serve her and her talents right. in an appropriate to, way and, and to write for her like to get to write to her strengths you know yeah like, they so have no true idea. So true. Yeah. But the first thing of note is that the piano is at the house. As we said, Beverly Ann's a fairly new character. And uh, previously, uh, we had this gigantic gray bench at an angle uh, in that little nook where the stairs bend. And uh, I always was surprised by that. It was big and ugly and took up a lot of room and they never used it. And I'm actually happy to see the piano there because it's like, oh, good. At least it, the, the little nook is serving some useful purpose. Purpose, yeah. Yeah. And the fact that was Cloris Leachman really playing? She yes. was, it looked, clearly. It looked like yeah. she was, yes. I was mm -hmm. like, wow, good for her. She has an Oscar, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs> what does she, it mean? She, that she, doesn't mean, mean that she can play piano. I mean, she's a colleague. She has she has <laughs> Emmy Award. She has eight Emmy Awards, for Christ's sake. Mm -hmm. I think she can plunk out Cinnamon's Two of Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> or Two of Notes is uh, what. Two of Notes, yeah. Is, I, I believe Stephen Sondheim referred to the song as that. Oh, oh well, you had to bring it down. We just we lost Mr. Sondheim and the, the theater world mourns still. So an appropriate still. episode to shit all over his memory. <laughs> 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 With a good Broadway audition yeah. story. Oh, God. So we don't know what happened to this great big ass gray bench that really served no okay. purpose. I am speculating. I think they probably shipped it to her in Africa along with her grandmother's antique sewing machine, which actually did happen last week. We shit you not. Wow. Yeah, yeah Mrs. <laughs> yeah. Garrett's in Africa. She joined the Peace Corps. Oh, 
Do they ever, did she, did she tape anything or no. she just mentioned, just mentioned? Just well, mentioned, yeah. They had her final episode. We never see her again. Wow. Until the 2001 reunion movie. Oh, right. They, they could only film her for about two seconds at a time. It was like MTV came in to film her, her scenes because they were like, they're just such quick. Anyway, anyway, anyway. anyway so Tootie's anyway. singing to, to a heart. Tootie's singing to a heart. And singing is a strong word for what she's doing to that song. And Two of Hearts is a fairly new song. It actually came out June 13th of that same year. So this is still a very new, new song. pop tune. And uh, hmm, I'm, I'm going to, we don't have any sense of what the show is that Tootie is auditioning for. No. So there's always a question of, uh, auditioning. And I guess I should preface this by saying that, uh, Dan, these days you are a casting director for a major entertainment corporation. And one of the big things that we have to go through is what is the appropriate song to sing for what you are casting? If you right. are casting The Wiz, I'm not going to come in and yeah. sing a Freddie Mercury anthem to you. No, you're not. And you would think, because uh, Cloris says to her, Peter asked you to come to this audition. Mm -hmm. the day before because i guess she's taking class from a broadway director a composer i don't know who peter garfield is like so yeah. so you're taking class from a pro broadway pro and he sends you to an open call cattle call non-equity cattle call the day before when if he was really a good director he would have brought her to a callback or to a private call or to an invited call, which they have all the time for Broadway shows, but he threw her to the wolves with clearly no pre yeah. preparation. And this is the morning of the audition, and she's still struggling with her lyrics, you know, and, like- And how to interpret it. Should I be soft? I, should I be loud? It's like, girl, I'm you should know this. You should know. It's like, you are a doom, girl. You're gonna drop, now, where does this, where is the town they take, this takes place in? Is it, uh, I know they're, they're in New York, but they drove the Winnebago from where? Peekskill, New York, which Peekskill, is about an there. hour north of the city. Oh, okay. Okay. So they, mm -hmm. I guess, but they were all quaffed and ready to go in the morning to go to an open call. When usually an open call in New York, you have to get there at five or six in the morning. In, in order to get a number. Yeah. If you want to be number 218, you get yes, there at five or six in the morning. Maybe, yes. maybe, you know, it's like you're, they probably didn't leave the house till 10, maybe, you know? And then you got an hour drive and then she's going to check in. Like, that yeah. made, I was like, like how? That, Daniel, I'm going to blow your fucking mind even more. <laughs> Go for it. She's been in college for about two weeks. Mm -hmm. So this person, I didn't get that he was, uh, I, I assumed he saw her at something, but I guess if he is uh, being a professor, a guest lecturer, or whatever at her college, but she has been in the college theater program for two, two weeks. 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 Two weeks, yeah. She's it's, so yeah. talented. <laughs> <laughs> he noticed this freshman. This that, yeah. that you are ready for the Broadway. Yeah. yeah. Get out your tap shoes, Francis. Yeah, you are 18 years old. Go for it. Go and for it. It would be one thing if she showed up and in the room were 50 other 
18 year old African-American girls. Yes. That would make sense. And it's like, ah, okay, there's a certain type and he thinks she has it. That would make sense. But we're going to get to the mixed bag that is in that room when she walks in, but we, we have shit to take care of first. Okay. Okay. We're still, <laughs> so we're still happy in we're the doing this with you, Dan. I'm so happy. <laughs> so Andy is on hand doing some homework. They have a joke where it's like, well, perform the song for Andy. Like he's a casting director and the joke of she sings one note and he's like, thank you next. And it's like, you little shit, but God, he's funny. We love it. Yeah. It's funny. Was that in, I didn't see that. I, oh. I don't remember that in this episode. We got the we got the Daily Motion syndicated version, Daniel. And and that is that was cut for time. So they they cut the one fucking joke out of the whole. (laughs) (laughs) But usually when I do my second watch, when I do my real time, I will pull up uh, two quick time windows with the syndicated and the network version side by side so that I'll know that ahead of time. Again, I'm. Okay. I am less prepared than I typically am. I, I could have, should have known that. Uh, so, yeah. Um, but then uh, Blair and Joe show up talking about what they want to do with uh, Beverly Ann since it's her first time into New York. Uh, they come out of Beverly Ann's bedroom, that, that first landing. Did you notice that, Matthew? Um, no, but of course they came out of a bedroom together. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's why I wasn't surprised. I'm surprised Blair wasn't zipping up her pants. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, as long as they hear the piano playing, they know Beverly they know Ann's in the gotta, other room. We gotta, we gotta finish up. <laughs> we, we've never done something similar to that where it's like, okay, oh. if I can hear, I know we've got our privacy. Yeah. <laughs> La 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 la. Uh, Blair's hair is is extraordinary. Extraordinary. Big bangs, like big bangs, like full on. Like we're talking. She looks like Catherine O'Hara in Waiting for Guffman. But it was just the front part. The back was just down and saggy. But she just <laughs> quaffed. Like she stared in the mirror and just did the front and the sides. Mm-hmm. But when she got a profile shot, you're like, girl, you didn't do the back of your head. It's the big, it's the, the great wall, it's, as they called yeah, it. It's, yeah, it's the, ba- a big, the big bang. It's a whoopee bang. We call it the big bangs theory, yeah. Yeah, big bang. My grandmother taught me, and to this day, I still use this philosophy as Carol Lee. You can't see the back. <laughs> long is it's all this, yeah. yes, clearly. Yeah, okay, sure. Well, <laughs> Clearly the makeup ladies in the wig room didn't, or, you know, didn't help her out too much. Well, you were, I, I forgive me if I am revealing uh, more than you would care for me to reveal, but I believe you were around then, Dan, that was not an uncommon hairdo for young girls to no. have. No, oh no, no, not So I think all. it was very period uh, appropriate. For a very Blair 80s. has yeah. had a plethora of different hairstyles. This is the first time we've ever seen her with this particular one, and I am here for it. Yeah, Miss America do is very Miss America. Yeah, because the crown has to yeah. fit behind yeah, it. Right yeah, right there, the flat part. Done. Yeah, because yes. the flat part. Mm-hmm. We we used to call it the '80s C because your your hair makes a C. Oh yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're like we used to call it the '80s C. You would pull it's your so hair back. True. It's you so true. Pull your hair straight back, and then you spray right along the face, yep. and yep. then when it comes back, it holds that back, and it gives you a C. <laughs> Yeah, mm-hmm. Joan Collins taught me that. Oh, I bet. <laughs> I, was, I was on the set of Dynasty, which is how it's actually pronounced. Dynasty. <laughs> 
So uh, then Natalie enters and she says she can't go on this trip. She was, I guess, going to accompany them, but she can't because she has a writing assignment for the Literary Monthly. You know, the Literary Monthly that I'm very familiar with important that publication monthly. that we've never mm -hmm. heard about before and we'll never mm -hmm. hear about again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the article has to be about a woman in flux and she hasn't found a woman in flux yet. So she's got to get busy. And Natalie's been taking on some weird jobs since she decided not to actually go to school, Dan. And this oh, is good okay. to hear that she has a writing job because uh, Natalie ultimately does want to be a writer. We're just not sure if she is a good writer. Okay. And uh, so Tootie continues her meltdown about not knowing how to do her audition, at which point Natalie says, wait a minute, that you, you're in flux right now. Hot damn, I'm going with you and I'm going to write about you. And so now this adds the layer on top of everything else in this episode where Natalie with a hand tape recorder is basically going to annoyingly insert herself into pretty much everything Tootie does, narrate it in a attempt at being literary speak type style. And uh, I I was done with it after about the second time. How about yeah. you all? Oh, yeah. I, like she just followed her around like a gnat, you know, like, and, and isn't that kind of creepy, her walking around backstage following somebody? Like, wouldn't somebody call that out? Like, what, ma'am, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah. And when you're at an audition, you don't need a fucking hornet's nest of, of annoyance with, with Beverly no. Ann running in and out and Natalie and, and Blair just popping in and saying, hey, want the check guy, you doing? It's like, I'm at a fucking audition. Get out of here. Get out. I'll talk to you later. We'll get Chinese. And honestly, any of your actual friends would be like, I'm not sitting here all fucking day. No, really. Like, I'm, going, I'm going to get coffee. I'll be back in a couple hours. To check in. Everybody yeah. knows how miserable the waitings for auditions are. It'd be like, mm -hmm. oh, bitch, I love you. But mm, no, I'm in New York. I'm in New York. Uh, yeah. I'm out. But I like the device of having of, of having Natalie there because she's kind of speaking like not breaking the fourth wall, but she's the writing is terrible. They could have yeah. given her better things to say. Right. But I like that, you know, like different things to say. The beautiful people are all sticking together. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, there are the character actors over there. <laughs> They're all fat. You know? yeah. Like yeah. things like that. But yeah. just the fact that she goes, I smell a Pulitzer. Bitch, get <laughs> published before. What? <laughs> it's like getting cast well, in a fucking youth theater show and be like, I smell a Tony. <laughs> but, but but Judy does say that. She's like, I don't want to, but the critics, I hate critics because they're so critical. Like, girl, get the shot job first and then worry about your reviews. You know, she's never had, by the way, no. any of her performances never had a good review. Nope. <laughs> no, sir. That, 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 again, that's part of the joke of her character is that she is continually doing shows and get it's always a plot point that she gets a terrible review oh my god mm -hmm. hilarious what was it she when she did um joan of arc they were like it was sad that it was not real fire <laughs> at the end of it <laughs> or something like but it, so anyway so oh i'm not god. mad at natalie but jesus christ every time she writes something on a piece of note card she goes i smell a pulitzer <laughs> yeah i'm beginning to think that's what she calls a fart a Pulitzer. <laughs> a Pulitzer. I smell a Pulitzer. That could be very true. Pulitzer. <laughs> Stealing it. <laughs> oh, bless. 
So Andy does say, I'll stay here and hold down the fort. Good, because all of these women are partners in a store that uh, allegedly needs to be open to receive customers and generate revenue so they can live. So this uh, 13-year-old Andy, Dan, one consistent thing about his character is he is horny. He's been horny since we met him when he was 11. So For what? For uh, apparently sexual See? activity with people of the opposite sex. Oh, because okay. before the girls leave, he says, since I'm going to be here on my own, uh, I'm going to call some girls to come help me out. At which point they basically, you know, stop the hang up the phone on him and say, just watch the fucking store. We know you're not going to call any damn girls. But you know, he's gonna he's gonna close that store and have his pants and undies around his ankles in two no, fucking seconds. No, 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 we're not talking yes. about that. 13, still very much a boy. That's part of what makes all the sexual stuff weird, where yes. they were yes. supposed to record a record. And he's like, maybe if you record some grunts and moans, and they're like, nah, that's not it. He says, Well, could you do it for me? It's so odd. Yeah. He, the the, uh, the um, building had burned down the previous season and he was like, oh guys, I'm so sorry. Do you need a place to stay? You can stay at my house. And they're like, thanks, that's sweet. And he says, yeah, I've got that big old bed. We can all fit. And Who we're like- writing this stuff? You couldn't do that stuff. Well, maybe you could. These yeah. days. Who was writing it? Middle-aged white men. <laughs> well, yep, yep. <laughs> Yep, exactly. Yeah. Granted, it was a woman who wrote this, Martha Williamson, but we know that that room was full of middle-aged vaudevillian Absolutely. writers who are punching yep. it up, <laughs> giving it some zip, some pizzazz, some vim and verve. So we do have a little horny Andy. Thank God okay. some things don't change. Uh, so they're driving to New York. It is revealed that they're going in Beverly Ann's Winnebago in her mobile home. And when Blair protests, Joe says, well, it's the only car that can hold the five of us. Uh, excuse me, I believe Mrs. Garrett drove all four of those girls to a dance over at Bates Academy in season three in a Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, yeah. And why aren't they taking the train? They always take the train when <laughs> train. it comes to going to New York. Why? Exactly. Really? <laughs> or so on the easier. fucking... Get on the fucking Montauk line, for Christ's sake, and all your <laughs> in the Grand Central. Yeah, why do you choose to take a Winnebago over a train, try to park it, three, you know, three parking spaces? Yeah. And that comes to bite her in the ass. And uh, you know what? To yeah. try and sort of move this along, because it, when I get in the weeds, Dan, we, we will be here for hours. Okay. Uh, okay. Basically, while Tootie is at the audition, as the episode progresses, we cut back to... Joe and Blair and Beverly Ann, and they've parked in an alley. A cop gives them a ticket. So mm -hmm. then they drive around. They try to park in the same alley. Joe is like, ah, you got the ticket already. It's good for the whole day. Right. And then the same cop shows up and tickets them again. And even he says, what are you thinking trying to drive this boat? I think he calls it a boat into the city and to try to find parking it's like, what are you thinking? And it's like, yeah, thank you for articulating that because we're all thinking the same thing. And he was a Mountie. Like that was his horse. Uh, he was, a, I guess he was a, a yeah, yeah, he was a, a, what do they call? A horse cop. Horse <laughs> cop, <laughs> so which you see a lot of in Manhattan. You do, but like, just uh, that kind of threw me. And the fact that when he walked, when he walked into whatever, he hit his head on the vent on the top. Yeah. Like, like it was a really poorly played bit 
as far as yeah. I'm concerned. And they didn't do it again. They should have done it the second nope. time he came back. He should have hit his <laughs> yes. head again. Head again, yeah. And then, and then uh, the third time when Beverly Ann almost talks him out of the ticket, instead of having it be Blair talk him back into it, have him say, well, maybe I could let it go. Have him stand mm -hmm. up, whack his head, third time, comedy rule of threes. That's where he says, right? no, you're no. getting another goddamn ticket. Yeah, that's better. That'd be that. way better. We're putting that in the time machine. <clears throat> we send back uh, we send back our notes in the time machine to the writer's okay. stand so okay. they can fix okay, the good. shit. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so that's what happens with the Beverly Ann. And the, the funny thing is that um, Beverly Ann does say when she comes into the audition room, uh, she does say, wow, they told me it was impossible to get tickets on Broadway. I got two. I got two. <laughs> so that was a little fun. That was funny. That was but fun. That's literally how that second thing plays out. We need to focus our time and energy on the next scene where we are now in, I keep saying the audition room. The audition room is the room where you actually perform mm -hmm. for the people. This would mm -hmm. be the the. the waiting room i guess what do you what's is there another room word for it i can't think of well if if we're backstage at a broadway house i've never seen a more spacious backstage in a broadway house ever is that Mark, what it is i'm just marking yes. off everything he's saying i'm marking off that off my note i'm like what the fuck theater is what are they theater in? in god's green earth are they at because That's much yeah you know, and uh, it would have been funnier if they had been in line out on the street. Yes, in the elements. That's how you, you start auditioning. Mean? Oh, you're right. You're totally that. Yeah, a Seinfeldian I, episode with that. It should have been around the block uh, at five thirty in the morning. Everyone's and, bundled up. It's freezing. It's raining. And what you do to get into that room? Like and Beverly Ann there. and Blair and Joe could have been passing by periodically. I have a slice of pizza now. I've got a Statue of Liberty crown. Yes, I, I'm going to run back. Oh, you're still outside. I'll be right back. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that, I mean, that would have been a much more entertaining yes. episode. But the fact um, that there are everybody, 300 some people are all meandering backstage, rehearsing, like, whoop, made no sense. Yeah, yeah. Let's just talk about this this backstage area. So presumably we're backstage at a theater. This is the quote unquote holding area where they're registering and waiting. Uh, and then uh, they go into the theater to actually perform for whoever they're performing for in that room. But with full lighting, with full but, lighting. Yeah, with full lighting. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, at an audition, Typically, the audition, you have uh, your actors show up for these two hours or three hours. Mm -hmm. Then your singers show up, and that's when you hire the piano player. Oh, Beverly Ann is going to be accompanying Tootie at this audition. That's the thing we missed, is that Beverly oh, right. Ann is going with her because it is assumed and, uh, and perfectly acceptable in this world of crazy that Tootie's going to walk into that room and say, oh, here's, here's my friend whom she's going to play the piano for me. Yeah, what? step away from the fucking Wurlitzer, lady. <laughs> All right. But it's not uncommon. It's very, very rare. People will bring in a companist, but it, it makes you look just like, oh, Lord. Like, yeah, you already, you've already crossed. Like, it's just not a good thing. Like, the Broadway accompanists are very able yeah. to play anything. Yeah. You must trust them. Like, yes, you don't have to bring your own accompanist. They're probably better than who you're bringing. But going back to backstage, I mean, I wasn't sure if they were really, if they were at a studio, I couldn't figure it out. It took me a while until the monitor said, number 12 on stage. So I go, yeah. oh, they are backstage in this very spacious 
you know. Yeah, and then when we do see uh, Cinnamon's audition, uh, there are you, you see the the anchors and the yes. pull ropes. It's, yes, it's pull. kind of like it's kind of like they probably have the table set up sideways on the stage. I guess. Again, you're like, why wouldn't you just have? Why wouldn't you just be in the audience? And right, anyway. and put them outside. <laughs> but uh, I, I think my whole entire career in New York, there for 18 years, were only two times I actually got to audition on the Broadway stage on a Broadway stage. Yeah, it's in, always in a studio or a rehearsal hall. It's always somewhere else. And the only reason for Cats, they bring, and that's a, that's for a final callback mm. when you have when you had to dance on the rake to see if you could dance on that rake. You know, that's the that's rare situations when you actually get to perform or audition on the stage. Yeah. So having an open call at the theater is weird. Is also, weird. having this mixed bag of you have singers, you have dancers stretching, you have people doing a ballet bar, you have uh, couples doing like a couple's <laughs> kick pair thing, just the hitch kick across the room, a hitch kick. There it is. I knew a dancer would know the term. At, at 1630, I wrote it down at 1630, yeah. you're going to see that hitch kick boom, layout. Yeah. But Before, if you watch the if you watch the dancers in the back, they're terrible. Like art. Yeah. Yeah. gangly they're, just, they're yeah they're both, just, they must have gotten you know out of out of you know you know central casting put them in you know leg warmers and headbands like you're gonna be dancers backstage yeah and just, they're we just need like athletic people we don't need actual dancers just athletic looking people no yeah. no no yeah pretty bad uh and uh, i swear to god because like i was saying before you you section it off so you have your your dancers come at a certain time because that's when the choreographer yes. needs to be there your singers yep. come because that's when your accompanist needs to be there that's just time mm -hmm. management but yep. here we open on this room it looks like uncle jocko's kitty fucking capers <laughs> at the beginning of gypsy where you got a kid with a clarinet and a bitch covered in balloons and a clown <laughs> doing flip-flops and i'm yep. surprised you didn't see someone spinning plates on sticks it was so uh trying to look chaotic it just looked disorganized it's so crazy we do pass uh we do see a woman uh enter she's in a purple uh coat with a blue hair bow she's doing some singing and vocalizing we're gonna see a little we're, we're gonna hear more from her in just a little bit mm -hmm. uh and then uh stage manager is the name of this character that is uh that is walking around the room typing them out while they're standing in line and when i say type out that that's the term we use in the biz ladies and gentlemen meaning uh we're casting for comedic actors mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. we know the director probably wants uh, a large actor so you might uh you might look at the headshots and say we don't need to see these skinny guys mm -hmm. or at the very least you let them come in and sing but you don't give them a callback. They're not mm -hmm. the ones you're going to pick. But mm -hmm. this guy's walking through the line. They haven't even registered. And he's going too short, too cute, too young, too happy. Too it's happy. Like, yeah. Who the fuck are you? <laughs> and he's so mean. It's like, what, what, what is happening? Yeah. Is he, is he deemed the stage manager or the audition monitor? Like His character's name is stage manager. Manager. The stage uh, manager wouldn't be in that position. They would have a... A no. monitor that would not be making any creative decisions, period. No, the stage manager Nothing. might be and might not be. I mean, if the stage no. manager is in the room, it would literally only be there to act as administrative support to the directors and the creative team. 
like basically being the secretary. Some crew there to turn the lights on or have a crew there that he would be there just to lead them. But yeah, your stage yeah. managers, for people who don't know what a stage, the stage manager is the person that really gets yeah. the shit done. They make sure yes. the lights are called. If you have yep. a problem, if I, I ripped my hand, boom, stage manager is the one who gets the customer to come and do it. Stage managers are a force of fucking nature. They are, they are. And they are not I, the people taking your registration <laughs> card and yelling at you while you're in line. Before we pass up first impressions, can I just say this? Because you two are just being so hard on it. Oh, dear. OK. Is the thing that and got I, right? Did that happen yet? Yeah. Matthew? Um, I'm not going to give I'm not going to show okay. that part of my We're hand. We're still waiting yet. for that. We're <laughs> still waiting. I am, but I am going to say they did get some of the things right in that room. Those of us back in my auditioning days, thank God I'm <laughs> offer only now. But because um, I God, these were the days, weren't they, Daniel? <laughs> Cattle calls. Oh, God. Um, but they did get a couple things right about audition holding areas like that. There's always the guy who acts like he's alone in the room acting out his scene. Mm -hmm. There's always that dude. True. There's always the dancer doing every fucking stretch like they're going to fucking mm -hmm. do the opening number from a chorus line. And it's like, bitch, you're you're auditioning for a, a, a walking soldier in a fucking Christmas parade. All right. Yeah. I don't think I don't think we're going to use that muscle today. But the, and he's always like, I don't care what anyone thinks. But meanwhile, he's stretching while he's looking around, making sure everybody's looking at him because yeah, mm -hmm. there's a little uh, bit of showing off there. The oh, yeah. oh, I'm just going to I'm just doing my stretches. But oh, look, I can do full splits sideways and front ways. Yep. <clears throat> intimidation, yeah. intimidation. Yeah, so, that is true. Too. Ding, ding, ding. There, there are some of the things that I would just wanted to point out that they did get right. Is it look like they're auditioning for the circus? Yes. yes. <laughs> like it looks like they're like whatever sideshow can get in today. So mm. and people do go into the bathroom to warm up. That's very typical. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. that it's like that's a safe space to go let it all hang out, really warm up. So yeah, you're always and hearing people. And that's where we want you to go. We don't yes. need you in line next to me. No, belting no. out fucking defying gravity. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> go to the bathroom down the hall, scream it out for a second and then yeah. get back in line. Yeah. Sit down, Idina. Yeah. <laughs> so Tom Henschel is the stage manager. That's the actor, Tom Henschel. Uh, tons of one-offs. The only recurring role in his IMDb credits was he played maintenance man Kyle on St. Elsewhere which is a wonderful, wonderful show that I have never watched. Uh, but he does have 50 credits in a 47-year career. We always wow. find they do get really good guest yeah. stars. Whoever their casting person was, Dan, they, they always do find uh, really very good people. And for how lousily it is written, he plays it and it's, he, he's doing what he needs to do with it. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's good. That was the other thing they got right, I wanted to say. The charm-free person that you check in with. Oh, yes. Charm-free, yep. <laughs> yes. But usually it's some, like if we go to an equity call, it's an equity member sitting there, probably someone at the end of their career, just barely <laughs> alive. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, and they, they don't talk, they don't, they just sit there and just show your equity card, go. <laughs> It's what it is. Matthew it's who they are. that hilarious. Matthew's losing it. At the end of the, yeah, they have to get yeah, a, a, An almost dead actor. That's almost dead actor. Yeah. yeah. I can but, promise. Um, to those out there, to the rookies, to the people who look to us as their elders for guidance in a showbiz career, take it from us. 
<laughs> always be nice to the monitor. Oh always my gosh. Be nice. But Bring them gifts, suck yes, their but, dick, uh, pat their comes, hair. But it comes to a point, David, when you're behind the girl checking in and she's like, she's like, what's your name? Ethel. Oh, I thought you said methyl. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> All right. Calm down. We but the deal it. is oh. when you are a snotty bitch, when you are dismiss your when you're in your own head about the audition, and this, like you say, charmless person mm-hmm. is the one mm-hmm. who's greeting you, it's easy to forget. I've been in a situation where the monitor would come into the room and say, say a number, a person saying, like, and you, don't, you just don't. you just made the cut across the throat. Yes, they're like I only have to see them, and they're already out the door because they were being yeah a douche, and they were know? being terrible to other people in terrible the, in the waiting people. room. That yep. the monitor sizes you up, and it's like if they you're do. terrible in that waiting room, who the fuck you, is going to want to work with nope. you? Nobody. For an Nobody. open Broadway run. No. Be and it's nice. unfortunate that that's a hard lesson to learn for some people. Really, it's a hard lesson to learn. Mm-hmm. And it's a uh, young people thing it's yep. that's one yep. thing that that's just wisdom that that you don't be a jerk it. that's why i say don't be a jerk no right. so uh so tootie does finally come into the um into the waiting room after all this talk we've been doing natalie is following her around with her fucking voice cassette <laughs> recorder um she accidentally cuts the woman in the purple jacket in line and the woman is like tootie says i don't even know where i'm supposed to be and the woman says you're supposed to be at the end of the line behind me or something to that effect so she already has an attitude again we're going to talk a little bit more about her but this was just another little glimpse into this character so then this is the moment when tootie gets to the front of the line and he asks for her eight by ten glossy eight by ten and tootie does not have an eight by 10 glossy, meaning her headshot, a thing that every fucking actor has to have, or you do not act. Not only does she not have it, David, she acts like she has never heard. Exactly. (laughs) Like I need what? My audition, a headshot. (laughs) What? It was ridiculous. So she hands him a, a strip, like from one of those photo booths. That she finds in her wallet. And Natalie's like, oh, you saved that picture of us. Judy's like, yeah, grabs her pen and starts scratching out Natalie's face. But the monitor Um, accepts it. Yeah, of course. And did she, and she didn't have a resume either, did she? No, nothing. Headshot and resume. How the fuck do you show up to an audition without a headshot and resume? He's cutting people all over the place, but he won't cut the girl that comes in with the one by three headshot yeah exactly yeah, this person's too happy but this person is completely unprepared unprepared yeah. but yes you're going you're number 316 yeah so i didn't look around was she the only black person in the room no 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 she was wasn't a, there okay. was a, a dancer in the back that was african-american yes okay good 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 yeah she, but, but it was very very white audition it was very yeah, very white audition. it was uh so um, then they assign her number. It is 316. And she's like, okay, how, how close are you to that now? Number 12, number 12 <laughs> on, on stage. the stage. Yep. I'm still confused with this timeline. Like what time of day is it? And when it's number 12 is on the stage. Yeah. It's like, they've already had to get up, do their hair, drive, you know, I mean, maybe park. they did leave at the crack of whatever. I mean, who knows? Maybe they did get a get an early start on it. Who knows? 
But uh, then there's not a clock Blair, in the room, is there anywhere? No, no. But Blair does say at one point, Tiffany's closes in four hours. So I was like, well, when does Tiffany's close? Nine, eight? Is it five o'clock in the afternoon? Uh, it's yeah, all, it's all, I'm all very confusing. Yeah, you're right. That is weird. That's later after they've been waiting for yes, hours and yes, hours and yes, hours. Yes, yes. So they send Beverly away to do some sightseeing. You're like, okay, it's going to be a while before. So go have fun. Blair and Joe take you around. Um, so now we've got Tootie filling out this, this card, this audition card that they say, you know, have it ready when we call your number. And she's deciding now whether she wants to use a stage name instead of her own name. Now she's talking about it. Yeah, Matthew is like throwing his hands up, like what in the actual fuck? So she starts with the name Coco Chanel. And it's like, uh, Natalie's like, yeah, that, that name's been used already. So then she ends up with Ginger Curry. And while we're still arguing this point, in comes this pretty young girl uh, in a pink crop top and tights, so, so, so skinny, massive blonde hair massive mane of her hair i think her hair made her entrance before she actually entered the room uh she is very very skinny we're talking of course about stacy q as cinnamon stacy q yeah briefly can i go back to the the, quickly the name change why would tootie change her name at an audition where she was invited by the director oh my god you're right you're so right what the fuck what? Like, like, he knows you as Tootie, and then you show up like, hi, I'm Coco Chanel. It's like, mm-hmm. you're crazy. Like, <laughs> Wow. Her real name, yeah. actually, by the way, is Dorothy. Tootie is a nickname, and they've never sufficiently explained where the fuck Tootie came from. Oh, really? Uh, but yeah, it's Dorothy Ramsey would be her stage name. That's a perfectly Dorothy fine Ram- stage name, Dorothy Ramsey. Ramsey. Well, and later on, she says to Cinnamon, my name isn't even Ginger. It's Tootie. No, it isn't. <laughs> no, it isn't. No. <laughs> It's no, it's not. So when this this pretty blonde girl sits down with her boombox, which I think weighs more than she does, I don't know how Mm -hmm. she's able to carry it. Ginormous. This ginormous 1980s boombox. We all had one. They were amazing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, She says her name is Helen, but she's thinking of a stage name. She's considering Cinnamon. And one of the best lines in the whole show, Natalie says, oh, well, nice to meet you, Cinnamon. This is Ginger Curry and I'm ground cloves. <laughs> it was funny. It was funny. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yep. Great so delivery. Let's talk a little bit about Stacy Q. Stacy Q was born Stacy Swain in Fullerton, California. So she's a California girl. And I think that comes through. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, she studied ballet for 11 years, which may explain why she is so, She's so thin, skinny, yeah. so, so yeah. thin. Um, later, she was a showgirl and an elephant rider in the Ringling Brothers Barnum and Bailey Circus. And uh, she did she have any hits other than Two of Hearts? I don't think she did. Two of Hearts was the big hit. If I think yeah, she is, that made her I think a one hit wonder. And yeah. uh, so her song had been on the charts back in June of this year previously. Uh, it reached number three on the Billboard Hot 100. It was number one on some of the dance charts. Uh, and when they heard that song, the Facts of Life producers went, we want her. Her. Yeah. How old do you think she is? Uh, 20. Matthew? I'm going to bet... <laughs> since she looks that old i'm gonna guess what she's 13 or something like that but um 
No, she's probably, yeah, I would say 19 or 20. She is 28. <laughs> Jesus <Wow>. Christ. <laughs> and uh, yeah. And, and again, star- at this- and starving. And starving. And starving. My God, <laughs> she hasn't eaten since she was 13. Fuck, no, well, man. I wrote that down when she asked for a pencil and she says, I ate a pencil. I wrote, that's the only thing she's eaten. <laughs> And she probably threw it up. And she probably threw it up. Well, cyber. That was the way we are introduced to her. So we have your typical dizzy, pretty blonde. So her thing is, do you have a pencil I could borrow? I had one, but when I'm nervous, I chew my pencil. And I looked down and realized I was so nervous. I ate the whole thing. (laughs) And it's like, oh, bless. Oh, sweet. All 911. Something. Yeah. Um. (laughs) And then she sits down and she says, is there one N in cinnamon or two? And Natalie, again, perfectly, three. So then the purple jacket woman comes and sits between them. We now get to know this character a little bit better. Uh, the character is Elaine. The actress is Barbara Sharma, S-H-A-R-M-A. And she comes with a lot of TV credits. She was yeah. on Mary Tyler Moore. She was in the original Laugh-In. Uh, she Ooh. was on nine episodes of Rhoda as Myrna Morgenstein. Oh, yes, I remember her. I'm just glad she got one of the best bitchy lines of the entire episode where she goes, I bet you can't guess what I'm what part I'm auditioning for. She goes, you're right. I never will. (laughs) I love that was a great line. Yeah, that was a good line. Uh, So she hasn't done much since the TV series Becker in 2002, but she has a very distinctive Cupid doll, high pitched voice. Uh, she's still around. I can't believe someone hasn't is tried she? to cast her as Kristen Chenoweth's mother because oh, they have right. a very similar voice. Here's our full <laughs> circle moment. Matthew, your favorite musical is Hello, Dolly. Dan, yeah. you were in the Broadway revival of Hello, Dolly. Yes. Barbara Sharma was an understudy for the role of Minnie Faye in the original Broadway production really? of Hello, Dolly. Awesome. So when she goes over to the ballet bar and stretches and puts her leg up, that's because she's really a dancer. This really dancer. is really a Broadway actress, wow. dancer, and has done the stuff. She's magnificent because she's got that little cupy doll voice, but she's bitchy. And mm-hmm. she basically says to Tootie, uh, I-, I don't want to chit chat. I need to rehearse my song, if you don't mind, kind of a thing. And Cinnamon's like, you know what? I need to do the same thing. So uh, she goes off with her boombox. Then we go back to the Winnebago, blah, blah, blah. Then we come back to the audition room, Tootie and Elaine. Elaine is annoyed that Tootie is humming. So Tootie's like, fine, I'll go to the water cooler. And so we hear her humming a little bit of Two of Hearts. And then Cinnamon walks past her singing full voice, Two of Hearts, the same song. When Tootie goes over to the water fountain, I don't ever recall a water fountain being backstage. That's all I'm going to say. A yeah. full-on water fountain. That's, don't ever yeah. recall one. That's, that's uh, weird. That's no, just there's weird. no room. There's no room for that. Yeah, yes, please. Matthew. Hello. So presumably, we are now in the conceit that in this universe, the song Two of Hearts exists, and it is sung by pop star Stacey Q. 
Stacy Q is not this girl Cinnamon. This girl Cinnamon is just a girl who is at an audition and is going to be singing this song, which happens to be the same song that Tootie sings. Mm-hmm. So that's just making sure we all understand where we are. And Tootie is devastated to learn that someone else is singing her song. And she does have a good voice. She's she's doing okay, considering she's just kind of belting it out as she walks through the room. But it's on that note that we go to the commercial. Hmm. But we we have we go on the commercial that the drama that these people, these average civilians that ain't in the biz, they think now that someone singing the same song as you at an audition is death by yes, fire yes, yes like it's just the worst thing ever and bitch we all know like it, it, it how many fucking times and it all depends on what's the big hit right now and you open a broadway catalog like that in 1984 you were going to hear fucking broadway baby for christ's yep, sake yeah in 1978 we're going to mm-hmm. hear Send in the Clowns, for Christ's yep. sake. You're going to hear Memory from Cats. We were going to hear Let It Go, for yep. Christ's sake. Oh, yes. Yes. So, but any professional Broadway auditioner is going to have a book with multiple selections in there that if it does bother you that someone else is singing your song, you're like, well, uh, let's go do this. Instead yeah. of going, oh, the world is ending. They're singing yeah. my song. I'm out of show business. Well, with Judy, it's yeah. always all or nothing. She's like, I'm out of show business. I'm out of yeah. show business. Someone's singing my song. It's uh, <laughs> true. And technically, Toots, you're singing hers. Your song, yes. If I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, well, but what kind of show are we auditioning for anyway? That, like, that would sh- be the choice to sing. Thank you. Uh, what is this? Uh, what the fuck are they auditioning for? <laughs> we oh, know yeah. there's a murderer in it. We know there's a murderer yeah. in it. That's because... all we know. Yeah. Does they do say to then, uh, Elaine, you're trying out for the sophisticated murderer, right? And that's when she says, uh, uh, could I please rehearse my song? Thank you. Oh, Go fuck yourself. <laughs> but um, anyway, get to the commercial so we can hear about Dan's amazing career. Yes. <laughs> so Dan, when we get to the commercial break, this is where we like to do a little bit of an interview, get to know our guest better, and uh, wondering if you could give us a brief mic tour of your life as far as uh, where were you born and where were you raised? Oh, I was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, Mm -hmm. uh, and I went, stayed there till I got through college. I went to the Conservatory of Cincinnati, studied musical theater there, and uh, should I keep going? Yes, please do. Uh, after that, I came down to Disney. Actually, I was a, a dancer at Disney. I did the 15 years of magic show. 15 at years Cinder- at Disney. 15, that was 35 wow. years ago. I'm so old. Wow. That was, yes, right out of college. I did that 15 years of magic. Uh, and then I stayed at Disney for a while, did a, a bunch of shows like Broadway the Top and Hoopty Doo and the Diamond Horseshoe, a bunch of convention shows. And uh, at that time, there were a lot of the Disney performers that were like taken off and going to New York. Like Angie Schwar and Vince Pesh and all these people were going off and landing Broadway shows. But I was like, oh, I never ever thought about like actually going to New York and trying to pursue a career. So I said, well, I'm going to go for it. So I left Disney. Uh, I got my equity card at the St. Louis Muni. Uh, and then I went to New York. And my first big show was the uh, was Hello Dolly, the first national uh, well, mm-hmm. not the first national, it was the it were revival, but it was going on in the 47 city national tour. Uh, great experience. We got to audition at Radio City um, and 
we were down to there were probably about 30 guys at the final callback. They brought Carol Channing in. She got to see us all perform. She walked down the line to introduce herself to all of us. Oh. And then, and then she picked her boys, you know? Oh. So, yeah. So I left New York and went on tour and had the best time on that. And you came through Orlando and I saw you in that production. I have my program right here. I and love it. When I first uh, was aware at uh, American Idol Experience that you were in that tour, I was like, he was really? Of course, <laughs> I find my book. I'm like, oh my God, there he is. Holy fuck. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it was cool. awesome. In the Dolly number that I, they called me the Dolly Grip. The okay. dollar because I was next to her throughout 90% of the number. And it was my job and another guy's job is to make sure that she doesn't trip or fall. There was a passerelle. <clears throat> so the orchestra pit was below. So you could literally just fall in. So we were always, if you watch it, you'll see it always, always looking at her, always looking at the floor, just making sure that she gets through. She was always solid. We never had to worry about her. She yeah. looked more frail than she was. But, but she yeah. was also blind a about that. Yes. Yeah. But lots of good. And she was, at the time she was 70, because this was the 30th anniversary of the original production. People thought she was too young to play Dolly in the original musical because she was 40. <laughs> and uh, but she was in 70 or in her early 70s at this point. So yeah. Yeah, she was. And uh, no, she was she was awesome. She never missed a show, and she'll tell you that. Like she does not miss a show. Her work ethic is beyond mm -hmm. anything. Oh, I've that's ever, that old, you know, that old Broadway she, stock mm, man. They didn't fuck around. No. Anyway, long story short, we did forty-seven city national tour. Then we uh, they announced us going into Broadway, so we opened uh, at the Lunfontan Theater, which it, it's commonly referred to in New York as the House of Hits because every show that goes into the Lunt usually closes. So we were not excited about playing the Lunt. Um, but we did, and we ran for six months, and then the show went back out on the road. I did not go back on the road because I was just too big of a star to go of back on the, the road. Of course, the phone was ringing so, off the uh, hook with all those offers. Whichever uh, did you take? Uh, yes. So I stayed. I stayed in New York, and oh wait, hold on. I just okay. I stayed in New York, and uh, I just kept auditioning. Uh, did the went did work to paper mill, and then then I got uh, the revival of Chicago. Mm -hmm when it was going out on the, the second national tour. So uh, I joined the second national, the Velma company, they called it. And then that started a long history, 12 year history with that show during the national tour. I did it with, in Toronto, I did it in Las Vegas, did it in LA, worked with Cheetah Rivera and Ben Vereen. And- Did you work with our close personal friend, Paul Vogt when he played Amos? I did, mm -hmm. I did on the Broadway, yes, yes, Paul's awesome. So um, it's about two and a half years on the road. Then they moved me to the Broadway company in the year 2000 uh, into a different role. So I was there at the Schubert for another two and a half years when uh, I auditioned for a little, mm -hmm. little show called 30 Modern Millie, uh, which was uh, opening brand new, brand new Broadway show. This is my first new musical yeah. that I, I got to originate. Um, and that was a uh, ordeal, just getting that show on its feet. I mean, the amount of changes and numbers were going out. Uh, during previews, for wimps. it was crazy. You're doing one show during the day and another, no, and another show at nights, and just craziness. Um, so I did that show for about uh, about six, seven months, and I left it to go to the Full Monty. So I was stripping okay. for another year, and then went back into Millie, closed Millie, and then went back into Chicago. So I was kind of bouncing, bouncing around, around the great wide way, like you do, while, which was yes. 
Yes, and it, it's a lot of luck, but it was a lot of hard work as well to, to kind of, again, I thought I had a, a good work ethic and people liked me. So I just tried to keep that momentum going. And just if I was going to bitch about something, I'd just go home <laughs> and bitch to a roommate, you know? <laughs> I did over 2,300 performances of that show, both on the tour, on Broadway. Yeah, until I was like, I, yeah. I can't Okay, do before anymore. we get to what brought you then back to Central Florida, I would like one amusing story, yeah. please, about one of the actresses who passed through the company in either the role of Roxy or Velma. Go. Or Mama Morton. Or Mama Morton. Or Mama Bunnies. Morton. Yeah. Or Ma Oh, 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 oh. Uh, Jennifer Holiday. <gasps> Jennifer Holiday came in to play a Mama Morton. So we were like, shit. oh, my God. And, and so she was amazing. Like she mm, took I have, church. I've heard a bootleg of her when you're good to mama. It's about 12 minutes long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And you see the whole cast just going crazy sitting on the side because you couldn't stand still or sit still. Yeah. And the singing, cast is on stage. Dynamic. You're sitting on those but, chairs along the side of the orchestra. Yes, so the cast always on is stage. always on stage. Right, right. Observing. Always, oh always on stage, always interacting, always watching the action. Yeah. So we were just like going, <laughs> you better work. It's just going crazy. So um, anyway, well, you know, Jennifer is, I'm not going to say she's a diva, but she she has the talent. Mm -hmm. She's talented enough to be a diva, you know, but her work ethic, she, she didn't like to do matinees. So she pretty much called in every matinee, which was disappointing to us and the patrons because people came to see her, but she was never... I told my friends, like, if you're going to come see her, come to an evening show. But she's a big enough star. Why didn't she just work out a deal where she didn't have to work matinees? That's so I, weird. I know. Why would she I commit know. to that? I know. You think, but she's, it was so weird. She was only in the show, like, she only committed to, like, six oh. weeks. So, but, you know, she only did for, like, about six shows a week. You know, she took two off. But the funny, I had a moment backstage with her. You never heard her warm up backstage. Never. At the Schubert, the boys' dressing room was right near where Mama Morton's were. You, she would come in and be quiet. So um, uh, I went up to her backstage and I said, I go, oh, Jennifer, I'm like. And she said, uh, that's Ms. Holiday to you. Peon. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I said, I go, I go, I never hear you warming up. And she goes, wow, waste it. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Why waste it? And I was like, you work it, girl. Oh. Uh-huh. Wow. When she's on stage, man, it's like, you know, that was powerful. Yeah. Well, you know, she proved that she great. proved that again this year at the Tonys, didn't she? Singing and I'm telling Yeah, you. she did. She has she got, did. Uh, oh my God. She is just amazing. Uh, so then what brought you back? Uh, what caused you to leave New York and bring you back um, to uh central Florida? I was, I was still dancing pretty much in my mid-40s, which was is long for a dancer. And especially with Chicago, like you had to keep your facility and silhouette like primo. Mm -hmm. Like, so every day I'm in the gym, acupuncture, you know, chiropractor. You were the one in the black sheer t-shirt. Yeah, I had, so. I had black sheer, but I also wore like leather pants. I, I had several different costumes throughout the years, like vests that just expose you. So yeah. it was just a, not eating carbs for 20 years was tough, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so I just sat there on the stage one night. And I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. I think it's time for someone else to take over. So I, and I was going in and out of the Broadway company. Like I would do short contracts or someone would go take a vacation. I would jump in and do the show for a couple of weeks. And I finally had to go to the stage manager. I said, after I'm done with this mini contract, 
please do not ever call me again because I'm done. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I walked away on a high note. They didn't let me go. I walked away from it. And the only other place I had friends was in Orlando from my Disney days. So I thought this is, a, I owned a condo down here as well. So I said, I'm just going to go move to Florida, be with friends. I have a place to stay. And that's what I did. I did go back. Um, I was still auditioning, I guess, a little bit, but I kind of stopped, stepped away from all the performance at that point until I got a job at Disney doing American Idol. And once I got there, I got to work with those amazing people. I loved, loved it so much. I loved going to work. It was a, a crazy, talented group of people. And we, it was a lot of love. And I, and I really miss it. I miss those days. Uh, not only for us, we'd have a blast, but we also touched so many of the guests um, and made dreams come true and made magic. Even though every day I had to tell people no, mm-hmm. the one attraction where you're like, no, you know, I know your grandmother is very ill and she's here in the park and her last wish is to see you on stage, but I just, I can't make that happen today. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's, that was difficult, but made me stronger. And that's what really got me into the casting as I just loved it. I loved that process, you know? And those mornings when you'd go out to the line and say, too short, too cute, too young. (laughs) Too clumsy. (laughs) Yes. We did that all the time. Didn't we, Matthew? Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, Dan, I'm so thankful. This was Matthew's idea to bring you in. He said, we need a Broadway person to get us into this. And Matthew, uh, you have delivered once again. But at Mm -hmm. this point, enough about you. We've got to get back to Tootie. (laughs) We got to get back to Tootie. (laughs) Yes, lots to talk about. So um, uh, we come back from commercial. Natalie had run off after one of the hot guys. That's very on brand for her because mm-hmm. she always was the boy crazy one in their younger days. When this one, she chases after guy and says, I think I found the number one cause of women in flux. Ha ha. So in the name of her journalism, she went off to talk to him. Well, now she's wrapping up talking to this same guy. And she says, well, so much for Chad, Chet, Brett, Blaine, Bart. What is it about me that makes men want to spill their guts and open up to me? Well, hmm, Mindy Cohn, all of these are Broadway dancer boys. Mm-hmm. Could it be that you are <laughs> the ultimate flame dame? And like us, every gay man wants to be your best friend. Yes. <laughs> Who doesn't want to be friends with Natalie Green? Matthew and I dream about it every single bloody week. Oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. I love her. So this is the point where now she is reunited with Tootie. And she's like, what's the matter? And that's when she says, Cinnamon is practicing my song, your song. Thank God. Natalie says, people duplicate songs all the time. Like, isn't that a, that's not a thing that you have to, thank you. Uh, But Tootie is despondent. And then Elaine, (laughs) bitch that she is, tough break kid, but it happens. So then Elaine suggests to Tootie that, well, maybe you could psych her out do something to kind of make her fuck it up and then make yourself look better. And uh, the line she says is, uh, be a professional. When they call her, say, break a leg. And then when she walks by, make sure she does. She does. That got fucking dark. (laughs) 
Yeah, it like did. I mean, I've been in I've been in drag pageants where like a drag queen will like you know like run their fingernail up your up your pantyhose or something to get a run in your pantyhose before you go on or your tights or something. But fucking break yeah. her leg, oh bitch! It's like it's like showgirls. You know? <laughs> exactly, Very I, showgirls. I have that in my notes. I was like, this is showgirls. I think Joe Esterhaus was watching this. Oh dear! She learned that my- from Carol Channing. Was that the kind of work ethic <laughs> Carol had? Yes, that's Carol. Love that. Oh, if you have to, Dan, you just yeah. cut a bitch. <laughs> Matthew should have been the one to say that. He's the one that does yeah. Carol Channing. That's yeah, not my. He thing. does. Yeah, I do. Uh, Conrad Bain. You're welcome. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so then, Natalie, overhearing this, says to Tootie, "You know." An actor's greatest asset is confidence. You should do this. And uh, we've said many times on the ethics-ometer, Natalie is the one of the girls who scores very low in many episodes. So again, this is awful and a little bit on brand, <laughs> disturbingly. On brand, yeah. So then after we go back to the Winnebago storyline, we come back and Tootie does just that. She psychs out Cinnamon. Tootie mentions in passing that she knows Peter, the director, and that she calls it his cruel song. Don't sing two of hearts. That turns him cruel, which is weird. And just as Cinnamon is like, oh no, number 314 is called, which is Cinnamon's number. And she's like, well, I can't go in there, grabs her boombox and starts to leave. And Tootie's like, but wait, what do you? And she's like, what's the only song I've prepared? I spent all my money on a background tape for the song. Mm -hmm. I'm glad the writer put that in there. That was important (laughs) to me because uh, the other thing at a Broadway audition, did did, karaoke tracks weren't much of a thing in 86, were they? Karaoke was just starting to take off. I don't ever remember anyone ever having a boombox at audition and having... Like I said, I just yeah. You have sheet music in your key that you hand to the piano player. You have sheet music, yes. But then the perfect sitcom moment where you you pull a scam and it backfires. Mm-hmm. As three fourteen keeps getting called, going once, going twice. Cinnamon says to Tootie, "I'm glad you told me. It could have been really rough in there, but you cared enough to let me know." <laughs> I was beginning to think nobody cared about anyone in New York, but I guess <laughs> I was wrong. I'm really glad I met you, Ginger. (laughs) But you have to do that. In in an 80s cheesy sitcom of all the tropes, you need to have that's 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 backfiring. You fire the gun, it blows up in your face. Right. So Judy very quickly is like, shit, okay. I'm I'm paraphrasing. Uh, She fesses up. She says, I'm sorry, that's not true. Go in there, go, sing, sing, do the song. I lied. I don't know what I was thinking. And then she gets the thing and they're like, we already called uh, number 314. Nope, 314, no show. She can't go in. 315, get ready, number 316, which is Tootie's number. So Tootie tells Cinnamon she's really sorry. Uh, Natalie feels terrible too. Cinnamon's nice about it. She's very gracious. So then when number 316 is called, Tootie gives Cinnamon her card and sends her in. And Tootie says, I may not be ready for Broadway, but you are. Because Stacey Q, when, when I heard Two of Hearts, I thought she should be in a Broadway show, don't you think? Yeah, I thought the same thing. Like, it's such a Broadway. Well, and <sighs> I, as a freshman in college, who have been taking theater classes for two weeks, 
I think you belong on Broadway, Miss Cinnamon. Because <laughs> I know oh, talent. Uh, Let me tell you. I know talent. And yep. in thank my God she had experience year. riding elephants because that's the only way I can imagine she oh. got on a TV show. <laughs> Are they doing Barnum? Oh. They could totally could have used her. Oh, they could. When yes. is the revival of Barnum? Jesus. Uh, but uh, so as Cinnamon goes into the room with this uh, altruistic moment of yes that's exactly it uh so with um with this altruistic moment of uh self-understanding of honesty and integrity natalie finishes narrating this arc of tooties to close the loop on natalie quote unquote writing her story she says and thus she is no longer a woman in flux so then what we are left with is Cinnamon going into the room, the audition room, which is on stage, mm. and performing to her taped accompaniment, not not her song, Stacy Q's song, song, performed by this girl Cinnamon, Two of Hearts, still playing on the radio and still topping the charts. Yep. That rhymes. Now I have to say, <laughs> the thing that got me about this five-minute fucking music video we got at the end of it. Is yes, who does it's that? A six, you get 16 bars, if that, girl. And if you're up to 300, chances are good somebody came out and said, we're down to eight bars. So Yep, but, yep, yeah. So yep. the first, like, 30 seconds, she's not even singing. And if I was, I wrote mm -hmm. down, if I were in the room where she auditioned, I would think I'm being punked with all the... Yeah, I, I would, would be like, yeah, <laughs> no, you guys got me right before lunch. Okay, we're all punchy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and so the other thing is that this song, I'm, I think, in one of the things I read about it, it's one of the first songs that has the the sampling of the voice, where the beginning is one of those I, where it's it's not her singing it the way I just did. It's the overlapping of a digital yep. recording. And so for that reason, you can't sing that. You can't lip sync that. So the, the audition starts with her back to us and her just doing this sort of sexy, sultry, swaying thing and hearing, I, 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 I want you. I think you. Is, is that the lyric? Yep. Yep. I think so. And then not until the final, I want you, does she turn around lip syncing the want you. So you're like, so was that on the recording or was she supposed to have been singing that? And then there's points in the song as it progresses. And like Matthew said, it's the whole goddamn song. Mm -hmm. The whole song, which <laughs> would never point, be allowed. The, the voices are song. overlapping. So then you get into the yeah. thing of, so what, what part are you lip syncing? So did you have that pre-recorded? Did you have the background pre-recorded, but now the melody's pre-recorded and you're singing the background? It's like, girl, to get this quality of, uh, of an accompaniment tape before the time of karaoke, Yep. Uh, it's like, yeah, you did spend all your money. You probably spent a couple <laughs> thousand dollars. Fuck. For one song. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and the, you know, thank you. As after you sing eight bars, it's like, thank you. We've heard all we need to hear. It's we a, know the tone of your you. voice. It's... We've assessed who you are physically. The way you walked into the room tells us who you are, at least I hope. And, and, and this is, uh, she continues to just sort of do this slinking around and slow hip moving. And it's like, no, at an audition for a musical, you park and bark, you stop, you stand yep. there and you say, yep. this is my instrument. 
I want to see how you move. I'll invite you to the dance callback. Yes. This is me yes, talking yes, yes. from my casting days now. <laughs> yes. And, you know, it's just the overlap of so many crazy things. And then to have this. And by the way, she's alone in the room. There's nobody yeah, behind a table. There's nobody watching mm-hmm. her. Nobody with a clipboard. Nope. Nope. Other than Nothing. Tootie and later Tootie and Beverly Ann looking through the window. Behind The window. Her, Looking through the window from the backstage to the state. What what the fuck is who, that? Who <laughs> builds a Broadway theater with a window on the stage? <laughs> oh my god. It was kind of it was so creepy though, having them just staring at her. Yeah, and, and the like, auditioners would so see them. Weird. It would have been like, okay, yes. we have to cover that window because we, we can see the we'll people. Cover the out window. There. We got, you know, the cops out there and the horse and <laughs> who else like people coming by, it's so distracting. Like who else is out in that alley like my god yeah but it's like but it's not an alley it's a window from a room to another room yeah yeah it's crazy yeah (laughs) well this brings our episode to a close and matthew you've kept us on the edges of our seats with bated breath this entire time we have to know yes what is it you wish to say this episode got right. Oh, I, I thought it was the only the one thing. And then I, rem- I remembered I talked about all the things they got right with the people auditioning. But I, yeah, yeah. But I hadn't intended to talk about that. It just came to me. And I wrote down the one thing they got right was, and I never used this word, the cunt actress that was Elaine. <laughs> that is, oh, yeah. is war torn. Yes. She's yes. had a fucking open call, cattle yeah. call audition in her 50s. <laughs> And anyway, mm-hmm. oh, Daniel, oh, wow. I love you. Well, <laughs> I love you too. <laughs> well, Dan, I'm so happy we got to yes, do this. Thank you for, thank you for awesome. helping to make this a, a much richer uh, discussion and analysis of this bonkers, bonkers episode, episode that Matthew and I were not looking forward to. <laughs> oh, it's one of my but, favorite yeah. episodes ever. Let oh, me make God. that clear. Like, it's one that I remember Matthew. from my childhood. Like, because I was a kid and I wanted to be on Broadway and I thought I that's know. what it was. So <laughs> oh. Whimsical fun for me so to re- revisit. So anyway. Oh, bless. All right. We got to go for Christ's <laughs> okay. sake. We do. Right. We need to. Dan, thank you so much. Smooches, my love. And goodbye. Wow. Thank you much, David. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye, guys. There you have it. That was Dan Lobuono Wall. <sighs> so talented, such a career, and so many great stories. Uh, a lot more celebrity stories, actually, which are available in the extras from the episode, which are available through Patreon. Next week, we're going to be watching Season 8, Episode 6, The Little Chill. I can't believe we're already here. This is the episode with the return of Cindy, Sue Ann, and Nancy. You can watch the episode ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for now. Thank you so much for listening to this week's show. And remember, the facts of life are all about you. Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. 
Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode of Let's Face the Facts.